Would you find your Bibles or your tablets or your smartphones? And we, for the first time, we actually have Bibles that are in the uh, underneath on the racks there. So if you would find all of that, to find Joshua chapter 24, the very last, uh, very last uh, chapter in Joshua. And uh, we are continuing on our moving forward. Thank you so much for the testimony. Thank you, Jennifer. I guess she would put her back to work. She went right out, didn't she? But uh, we appreciate her. Kyle said she would... He would follow her wherever she goes, even if that uh, Tuscaloosa fan ended up in Auburn. But we're glad that they made it, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Thank you, Mallory, once again, leading us in worship. We license her to ministry. Of course, many of you have stayed connection uh, with her as well. She is a she is campus minister for, for girls at uh, Sanford University. And uh, so we, we look forward to continuing to see all the Lord's doing in, in their lives as well. Uh, moving forward, it's about time. We've been through this series looking at Joshua believe for this time and this place and we now come to the end of this series we're not coming to the end of moving forward but to what uh, Joshua particularly has to say to us and whether this is your first time here you've been part of the series we believe that you've come here for a purpose and it's the purpose so that you might be a part this service as we have seen has lots of moving parts we talk about sometimes we have a lot of things happening in the service but Christ is to be the center and has been and will continue to be the center of all that we talk about today day. Uh, Joshua chapter 24, we're going to read verses 14 through 18. Keep your Bibles open if you would. Verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it's the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, did those great signs in our sight, preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore we also will serve the Lord, for He is our God. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. We have Joshua giving his farewell address. And as he does, he begins actually in this chapter talking about where they have been, coming to where they're going, where they are now, and where they are to be going. Well, we want to talk just about a little bit maybe about where we've been. I'm going to take you back maybe just for a moment, about a year and a half ago, uh, beginning of 2020 to the end of 2019, we were percolating along pretty good. We had uh, lots of new members and guests that were coming uh, just about all of our ministry teams were uh, probably running on all cylinders and things were fairly bright at that time. They continue to be bright. I don't want to paint a bad picture for you, but as we began in 2020, but most of you know what happened March 12th of last year and then suddenly everything shut down. We shut down. Uh, we had still, you were taking care of people. We didn't shut down as a church, but many of our ministry teams, of course, and I applaud you on how you took care of one another, checked up on one another. If somebody had need, they had need. You took care of it. But for eight or ten weeks, I guess, I preached to an empty sanctuary, except for maybe about a half a dozen staff and two or three other people that just wandered in and asked permission to be able to come in. So uh, we did that. So every Sunday now, I don't take it for granted. I'm glad you're here, and we appreciate you being here. May of last year, we opened up for anybody that wanted to come. Uh, probably had about a hundred that were coming to begin with, and uh, 
And then more began to come. So we thought, well, if we're going to continue social distance, we better hurry up and go to two services. So we went to the two services. Sunday school classes were not meeting at that time because they were some resuming. And uh, so it was probably about the time that school started, uh, public school started back last uh, August or September that some classes began to meet in person. Children's classes were not meeting uh, till about that time. I mean, it, we, adult classes that wanted to meet uh, would meet, but uh, we said, when do you want to meet? Some met during the first service, some met during the second service, some met during the week, and we still have some to meet during the week. And uh, so while we have lots of folks now who are continuing to come back, and we're glad that you come back, just to give you an idea, we were running about we would expect about 450 in worship early 2020. Uh, we had a very good, one of our higher Sundays this past week, not counting Easter Sunday, but one of our higher Sundays, and we were running about 350. So we're glad for anybody and all that come, you understand, and we're glad to see you. While more and more people are coming back, we have seen people today that uh, we've not seen in a long time that are still coming back. Uh, not all of our workers are back, particularly for our children and uh, other areas as well. And so we had combined classes when children started to come in and realized that those classes were starting, they are now starting to fill up. The children are coming back quicker than the workers are in some of those. And so uh, having said all that brings us to where we are today. We have a summer schedule. In fact, we put 30 minutes in between services so that uh, we might be able to clean up. We sprayed down every chair in between services. Used to. We don't do that anymore. And uh, so we don't necessarily need the 30 minutes. So we're starting at beginning in June, not next week, not Memorial Day, but beginning in June, 9-15 worship and a 10-30 worship services. we having a environment for Bible study for all ages during both services. So you can make a choice as to which hour you want to go to a Bible study class, what hour you want to go. Our children, Sunday school classes particularly, though they'll be in a Bible study environment in the first service if they want to go to, or both. And uh, they'll be in the second service. And in doing that, we have doubled our classrooms and workers for the second service. And so we encourage you to continue to pray. Probably the number one question has been, uh, was just how... Will this schedule remain constant? Will remain the same? Well, since March 12th of 2020, nothing has remained the same or constant. So your guess is probably as good as ours, but we encourage you to continue to pray as we seek to move forward and make environments for worship and Bible study for all ages. Having said that, we come to the book of Joshua. How's that for a transition? In the book of Joshua, we find that by this time we come to last chapter that all of the land, all the inheritance of the different tribes had been given out. Not all the people had been conquered. Not all of them had been destroyed. There were still people living in the land. But all the land had been given out at that time. And we find that uh, there are parallels to what was happening with the Israelites versus what is happening in the Christian life. And just as the Israelites were led out of Egypt, out of slavery to Egypt, we understand as believers in the Lord Jesus, those who put our faith in Him, we no longer live as slaves to sin or to worldliness. However, just as the Israelites, the first generation out of Egypt, wandered in the wilderness because of their lack of faith and because of their disobedience, we don't want to wander aimlessly in this life. We want to be able to know the purpose in God's plan that He has for each one of us as we're seeking to follow Him. We want to have the kind of trust and faithfulness that claims the victories already promised. In the book of Joshua, a new generation had crossed the Jordan River. God's given them victory after victory, city after city. And though, as we've discovered, they have not been perfect, for the most part, they have trusted God. 
So this generation of Israelites and most of what we read in the book of Joshua, they are great examples for us. Joshua 24, land's been divided. Different tribes are claiming their allotted land and inheritance given to them. In verse 1, you might notice that Joshua gathered all the tribes together in one place. Nearly 2 million people. So there, this was no small gathering that came along in which he might be able to give his farewell speech. And talk about, and he reminds of the history, how God had given them a victory. If you want to read a synopsis of the history of Israel from Abraham up until Joshua 24, Joshua 24 verses 1 through 13 gives that very thing. Then we read, Joshua tells the people, today you must make a choice. Serve other gods or serve the true and living God. I believe that as you've come into this place today that the Lord wants to, each one of us to be able to make a choice. I think you're here today because God wants you to make a choice. All that we have been doing and looking at this particular series, moving forward, it's about time, and even all the things we've been doing over the last year, year and a half, Perhaps because you're in this place it is because God wants you to be able to make a choice. Joshua gives them actually three places where gods could have had an influence on them in a negative way. He mentions the gods to the east from where Abraham and his family had come on the other side of the Euphrates River. Before God called Abraham, his family served and worshipped other gods. He mentions the gods to the south or to the southwest from the land of Egypt where they had been slaves for 400 years. You would have thought that they would have detested the gods of their oppressors, but instead they brought many of the gods of Egypt with them and some still worship those gods. He mentions the gods of the Amorites, one of the chief groups of the enemies living in the land that they had conquered. Again, the God of Israel had brought the victory. Why would Israel bow to the gods of the enemies they had defeated who were pagans? But many Israelites bowed and served the very gods of the people who lived previously in the promised land. And many were still living in the land at the time. But on this day, Joshua says it's time to put away the gods to the east and to the south. And in the midst of the land that they're living, make a choice. And Israel makes the right choice and they commit to serving God. I'm going to tell you that you will make a choice today. You will make a choice for yourself. You'll make a choice for your family. And you'll make a choice for your church family. Even if you zone out today or you decide you're not going to make a choice or if I lose you or if I've already lost you, to decide not to make a choice is the same as deciding to choose against. My prayer for you today is that you commit steadfastly to serving God because the choice that you make will have an impact on you for the negative, for the positive. The choice you make will have an impact on your family, whether it be your husband or your wife or your mom or your dad, your son or your daughter or your grandparents or you're anticipating a future family. Your choice to serve God today can have a lasting impact on your family. While we cannot make decisions for our families, oh, we want to be able to set up a positive influence so others in our families might be able to make good and wise choices as well. In a family that decides to serve together or a couple that want to serve God together, all that, how that will have an impact on other families and other couples as well. Now, the truth be known, we can't make all the decisions for our family. We can only do that which is our decisions. And we certainly pray for our family members, but all we want to... We want, we want to set them up for spiritual success. 
we know in stories like the prodigal son that even if we could do everything right, it doesn't mean our children or our families are also going to do everything right. But all, why set them up for spiritual failure? Set them up for success. And today you'll make a choice for your church family. The generation before, only Joshua and Caleb trusted God and were ready to follow him. And thus the people were back, led back into the wilderness. May today be the day that we see clearly it's not just a few, but as a church family, we're ready to serve God and face the future as we move forward to fulfill the mission that God has for Parkway Baptist Church. So I ask you, as Joshua asked the Israelites, choose this day whom you will serve. But before you choose today, you need to know what that entails. You need to know what does it mean to serve God as a New Testament Bible-believing Jesus lover. It may be you're thinking, well, of course I'll serve God. But after a full understanding of what that means, well, you might change your mind. But instead, I hope it lights your fire. I hope it ignites your spiritual engine. You're ready to follow more so than ever before. So I want you to hold off for a few minutes because you need to know these things before you make a decision. The first thing you need to know is this. You'll have a private, personal relationship with Jesus if you're going to follow Him. One facet of the Christian life, if it's genuine, is that it is private and it is personal. Your relationship with Jesus is not something anyone else can do for you. Just because your mama or your daddy were believers does not mean that you are a follower of Jesus. You must see the need for Jesus in your life. I always see the need for Jesus because of sin in our life, because we know that we need to be forgiven of sin. We know that we have a void in our life without Him. The Lord has given in each one of us a sense of the eternal, which can only be fulfilled by Jesus, the Son of God who is God in the flesh, who left the throne room of heaven and lived amongst us. The world, for the most part, did not recognize Him and they placed Jesus on the cross. And there, the capital of the promised land, not far from where Joshua is talking today, we know that Jesus died for your sins, took your punishment on the cross. It was God's intention all along. It's the reason that Joshua and the Israelites were led to the promised land. So Jesus would be born and so that He would come and He would die. But he didn't stay on the cross, did he? Jesus died and was buried and rose again. He's alive today. And because he is God, he is omnipresent. That is, he is everywhere. We know that he intercedes for us in heaven. We know that he is in our midst today as we come and we gather together. We also know that he's in the hearts of all those who know and love him. But notice the first two words in verse 14, the words we read just a moment ago. It is now, therefore... Significant words particularly, not the only time it's said here in the Bible, but in this particular case, because of what Joshua has said earlier in that chapter, he says, now because of all that God has done, because of everything that has happened in this book of Joshua, because of everything that has happened from Genesis up to this point, now therefore you need to put away all false gods and follow the one true and living God. For us today it is this, now that we know Jesus Therefore, there's no reason to live like we belong to this world anymore. What is true about every born-again believer is that Jesus has come into your life and you've been forgiven of sin. All of us were sinners and we have been forgiven. And we have a true new relationship with Him. Why serve or worship anything else? But the truth is, many of us still cling to the things of this world, old habits, ungodly actions and attitude. Or... Jesus is part of your life, but there are other things clamoring for your attention and allegiance. 
Now, some of these are not necessarily ungodly, be it a career, a person, or even success, or success as this world defines it, but we can serve only one God. God does not tolerate rivals. Notice in verse 15, God gives them two choices. But neither choice were about God. They were about false gods, either the God of the Euphrates, on the other side of the Euphrates where Abraham had come from or the God to where they were living now. But he did not include God. Even today we have people who worship actual gods, actual idols or wooden images. Small G's when we talk about gods. Maybe there are even some in our own country. But, but we hear stories all the time. Maybe in other countries to where they're introduced to Christianity and then the first thing they do, they go into their homes, they throw out all of their idols out of their home. Does that seem too countercultural to us? I mean, in other words, is it, is it so far removed from our culture that we have a hard time relating to what was happening to the Israelites? Listen, listen to what David Pratt wrote in his book, Follow Me. He said, we cannot fathom a Christian on the other side of the world believing a wooden God can save them. But we have no problem believing that religion, money, possessions, food, sex, fame, sports, status, and success can satisfy us. Do we actually think that we have fewer idols to let go of? Oh, I want you to see the parallels. I want you to be able to follow easily. Why would the Israelites, or even anyone today, dare think of worshiping and serving gods of stone and wood when they know the real God of the universe? Well, they could see the idols. They wanted something that they could... See and touch. Well, we know the God of the universe is eternal. In fact, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18 tells us there's nothing that we can see with our eyes that will last forever, but only the things of God last forever. These are the things which are invisible. And as they did, we want immediate pleasure and success. We want for ourselves and our, our families, we often want a quick fix. We'll often commit to whatever it takes to achieve us. We'll even put off a personal, private, growing relationship with Jesus in order to achieve it. So serving God and having a private, personal relationship with Jesus does not suit your taste, doesn't fit your lifestyle. Well, choose today who you're going to serve. Will it be religion or money or possessions or food or sex or fame or sports or status or success? For you can be sure everyone has a God they serve and privately worship. Pursue a private, personal relationship with Jesus Christ alone. It cannot be Jesus and something. It's even a misunderstanding sometimes to be able to say, well, I'm going to put Jesus at the top of my list. Jesus is the list. And he puts everything else in its proper place. Do you still think that you want to choose to serve God today? And if you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior... If you do not have that personal relationship with day, today already, your choice is clear. For Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you in just a few moments before we leave today. You'll have opportunity to give your heart and life to Christ. But also, before you decide, you need to know. If you're going to decide, you are willing to go public. It means you're willing to go public. One aspect of the Christian life is that it's private and personal. But another is that you need to go public with your story. When Joshua addressed the crowd, he gave his public statement about his private personal life. How many of you have in your home, and feel free to shake your head or raise your hand, how many have a plaque, frame, picture, or somebody needle-pointed these words for us? For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Anybody have those? Listen, I visited a lot of houses. 
And I see lots of folks have that in their house. I remember we were looking for a home, and it seemed like we were in a lot of houses. And uh, those who still had furniture in them, it seemed like there was a plaque that you could find. It may be that it's in vogue these days, maybe to have a particular thing, but I hope actually is signifying that you want to honor God with your home and with your family. I'm often looking for an illustration that maybe that will make you think of something during the week or something later after the sermon is over to make you think, oh, this is what he was talking about as well. For example, on Super Bowl Sunday, we talked about, I think the title, and we talked about Jesus is the GOAT, the G-O-A-T, greatest of all time. So that when they said Tom Brady is the GOAT, which they said probably a hundred times in the Super Bowl, you think, oh no, it's Jesus who is the GOAT, who is the greatest of all time. But today we have these phrases, which is, this is the illustration, this is what we think of, because we know that Jesus is the one. And that we know that we need, as for me and my house, it is that we need to serve the Lord. Your lifestyle is to back up the plaque. The words that you say, the walk is to match the talk. For which is more important? Is it more important to say that you serve God or to actually serve God? Well, you know it's more important to actually serve God, but you're called on to go public with your story. People are to know about your faith in the Lord Jesus. We are to be identified with Him. I saw this old car come through the uh, come through town not long ago. Hope it wasn't one of yours because I'm going to talk about it. But uh, had two bumper stickers on the back. One bumper sticker I noticed because it's an old bumper sticker that churches used to give out. It says, "Here's hope. Jesus cares for you." And I thought, oh, I hadn't seen one of those in a long time. And then I had another bumper sticker I couldn't quite read. So I, if you ever done this, so I got a little bit closer so I could read the bumper sticker. Guess what it said? If you can read this bumper sticker, you're too blankety-blank close. But the blanks were really already filled out. And I thought at that time, oh, let that not be our lives that are contradictory, saying one thing and saying also another. James, in the book, in his letter, he actually said, somebody laughed too much, I hope it wasn't your car, but he actually said, he said, talking about being double-tongued, he said, out of the same mouth come blessings and cursings. And then he and then he said this, gave this advice. Don't do that. All oh, let us not be double-tongued, but let our, let our walk match our talk. I'm not saying you should never put a Jesus fish on your car, wear a cross around your neck, or wear a Parkway t-shirt. In fact, I want you to hold your banner high that says that you belong to Jesus. But as people who've gone public with Jesus, we have to watch our talk and our walk. We're to go public with our story and when it comes responsibilities. It's not a call to perfection. But in our homes and in the community and where we live, work, and play, we'll be known as people who belong to Jesus. We're not claiming to be saints. We're certainly not claiming to be Jesus. No, we're claiming to be sinners who need Jesus and now by His grace we know and love Him. When He was baptized today, went public today. When somebody walks down the aisle and makes a commitment, they go public. And then for the rest of our lives, we look for the opportunities to be able to let people know that you serve Jesus. But with it, you need to know you open yourself up to scrutiny and criticism. Everybody's not going to applaud you for going public about your story or about Jesus. Everybody will not understand. So if the choice that you make today is to call to go public, are you sure that you're ready to make that choice? But also, before you make your choice, you need to know that you will need an unusual perseverance. Perseverance. 
You'll need an unusual perseverance. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus had multitudes following him. And one day he looked and he told him, he said, unless you're willing, tell him to the crowds. Jesus become very popular at this time. Unless you're willing to hate your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, you cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. So likewise, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciples. It was at this time the crowds stopped following. It's in a similar fashion that Joshua responded after they said that they would serve the Lord. We read through verse 18. Look at verse 19. Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he's holy. He's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Joshua's response was a shocker. He did what we would, people like me would never do looking for people to commit. They said, we would serve God. They said, no, you, you can't. He's a holy God. He's not going to forgive your sins. And what he said was right because the Lord cannot overlook sin and he does not forgive the sins of the unrepentant. Do you think that sounds strange from Joshua to a people who just proclaim loyalty to God? Read verse 20, the very next verse. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. He warned him, said, don't make a commitment and then change your mind later. They certainly were not to take it lightly for the Israelites to not keep their commitment. It meant destruction, the judgment of God. For those who live on this side of Christ of the cross, it's a divine encouragement to persevere. The Lord is looking for those who are ready to follow through even when the gods are against it and no one else does. One commentator wrote, those bound for heaven must be willing to swim against the stream. The choice and the commitment takes an unusual perseverance. Are you sure you want to make this choice? Does it seem like Joshua's trying to talk him out of it? Does it seem like I'm trying to talk you out of it? Joshua wanted them to be sure it was not a decision to be taken lightly or flippantly. And the Bible tells us that genuineness and sincerity often depends on our motivation. Why would you make this choice? I want you to be able to see the differences in motivation. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament motivation, and they're not exactly the same. These verses from 1 Samuel chapter 12 are given to a future generation of Israelites after they had determined that they wanted a king. 1 Samuel chapter 12 verses 14 and 15 says this, If you will fear the Lord and serve Him and obey His commands and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord... And to both of you and the king who reign over you will follow the Lord your God, it will be well. But if you'll not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your king. It's kind of an Old Testament theme. And we find the Old Testament incentive is do good, God will bless. Do bad, God will curse. Well, it was a motivation, but it was not the best motivation. You don't want to simply do good and serve God in hopes God will do something for you. Or in hopes that maybe for good karma. This is motivation for the Old Testament Israel, particularly when they were not being obedient. It's kind of akin to parents wanting their children to do good. And they say, if you do bad, you're going to get punishment. If you do good, you're going to get a reward. But even as parents, we hope that one day our children will want to do good and be good for better reasons. Well, in Christ, we have a better reason to serve. On one of those occasions when 
Jesus had seemed to give some unreasonable uh, demands for those who were going to follow Jesus. All the crowds left in John 6. And Jesus looked at the 12 disciples, only ones who were left, said, are you going to leave too? And then John 6 and verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Or oh, to borrow a phrase, in a scandalous twist of divine grace, your inheritance is not dependent on your faithfulness, but it's because of the resurrection of Jesus that you're given this gift. Your salvation and even your abundant living for all those who receive it, it is there for the taking. Jesus did everything necessary. Thus our motivation has changed. It's not because of what God can do for you that you serve Him, but because of what He's already done. And Joshua and the Israelites are examples in this passage, which is significant because most of the time as we follow the Israelites in the Old Testament, we learn lessons of what not to do. But in this particular passage, they did it right on this rare occasion. What did they say was their motivation according to verse 17? We read it a moment ago. For it's the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. They get a glimpse of a New Testament of understanding of why we choose to serve. We want to honor God who first loved us. Then after God war after Joshua warned them and seemingly tried to talk them out of making this commitment, they make a final statement in verse 24. Joshua 24, 24. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. But I don't miss this. Regardless of where you've gone, come on back here if you would. Look at verse 31. Verse 31 says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. What a significant statement. That generation, all the generation that knew and outlived Joshua, Serve the Lord. These were some of the greatest days of Israel's history. So I'm asking you, as we're continuing to seek to move forward because it's about time, will these be some of the greatest days of you serving the Lord? Will it be some of the greatest days for your family? Will it be some of the greatest days for the church family? So I'm asking you today to make that commitment to make the choice, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you ready for this to be your story? And are you sticking to it? Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we've had to be a part of this worship service. We thank you for all that's taking place from the praise that have been lifted, from the baptism, commitments that have been made, prayers, and our proclamation of your word. Father, we pray because we've been in this place with fellow believers and with you. We're ready to make that commitment that says, yes, Lord, we will follow you. Not just something that we say or even say within our hearts, Father, but something that we will continue to seek to follow and that we will continue to grow in the, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, or if there's someone listening today or watching live stream, May this be the time of commitment, even during this prayer, even as we sing this next song. May it be a time that you give your heart and life to Christ. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.